Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Drive Through FM. It's been a little over six months since I've done one of these episodes. Uh, the first one this year in 2022. I got kind of stuck into a, well, frankly, a fun little routine of doing uh, the mini vlogs. I had some really good feedback and discussions going on with that towards the end of last year. So that was a fun little kind of uh, accidental side project that kind of took over the channel in a couple of different ways. I'm excited to jump back over here, talk about a couple of different topics, and then maybe do a little bit of catch up here and review, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games, it looks like. <laughs> yeah, there's eight on the list, so we'll save that towards the end of the episode. Uh, kind of per usual, these were ones that I was sort of feeling sort of middling to not so great to uh, maybe it's okay kind of stuff. Uh, it's been a while, I need to kind of play some catch up there uh, for some of the games I played in the last half of last year. Uh, that I didn't get to do a review video for. And before we jump over to that, just a couple of quick topics and not to bury the lead whatsoever. Uh, I will be announcing, and I am announcing, I will be doing a crowdfunding campaign uh, with Game Found this year. It will actually launch on March 8th of this year. And there will be a link below in the podcast notes or on the video on YouTube for this podcast uh, to the campaign page if you want to click that and you can click over there and check out the page before it goes live. That's one of the neat things that GameFound does is you can click and follow. And then when the thing goes live, then it will launch and let you know. But you can have a quick preview of the page. Uh, so I'm super excited about that. I'm not going to use Kickstarter anymore. And I've liked what GameFound has done over the last couple of years. And frankly, they've been really helpful for me uh, in this uh, endeavor. I've had a couple of phone calls with them. I had lots of emails back and forth. They even created a new category for me. Because uh, I think this is going to be the first project over there that is not strictly a game. It's, you know, it's board game media, so to speak. Uh, so they've been super friendly and, you know, really getting everything up and running for me and helping me out with some of the banners and stuff like that. Uh, so I'm excited to jump over there, jump away from Kickstarter. So it's just a small uh, project. You know, it's a very small goal. Basically need some equipment upgrades, specifically uh, my computer. I just looked, it's a seven-year-old computer, and the main gist is I really need something with a little bit better of a uh, graphics card and more RAM, because I'd really like to take advantage of some of the different experiments I was doing with the videos last year and really fully utilize uh, my 4K camera, which I got in the Kickstarter project around three years ago, uh, because when I render in 4K, it just, basically, you can kind of see my motherboard smoking. Uh, at this point. So I still use that camera and, you know, just don't render it out in 4K. Uh, but it's a great camera otherwise. So that's the GameFound project. Super excited about that. And the other kind of upcoming thing that I'm excited about is I've been using the Armor Painter Speed Paints, which are kind of like the contrast paints or the answer to contrast paints from Games Workshop. Uh, they're more of an inky, liquidy type of paint. And the theory is that they kind of go on in one coat and they sort of peel back into uh, the recesses. And so they kind of auto shade and sort of highlight the model for you. Do the base coat, the shade, and the highlight kind of all in one stroke. Uh, the kind of the sneak preview of that, the TLDR of that, is that they don't quite do that as well as contrast paints. But they do some other things that I had difficulty doing with contrast paints. And the main thing that they do is they actually mix very well together. Uh, they mix more like traditional kind of miniature paints or just any acrylic paint. So the color mixing uh, is much easier to achieve. But like the overall coverage, it's just, I don't know that it's better or worse, but it's just a little bit different. So I've painted 
oh, probably a couple dozen miniatures with it at this time. And uh, so I'm still kind of getting the hang of it because that's one of the new things. You're working with a new material. You kind of have to get the hang of it a little bit instead of just like, you know, slopping it on a miniature one time and then making your judgment uh, because it's a tool. You got to kind of work with it and practice with it and play with it. Um, and then one thing I'll just kind of leave here, I'll have some, a lot more details in the video coming probably in a week, maybe two weeks, uh, cause I want to paint some more stuff is when you lay a color down with it and then it dries, if you go back in with it, which I did because I was doing some mixing uh, cause I found that I could mix it. It actually will sort of activate and, and sort of peel up the layer of paint underneath. If you're not careful with it, uh, even if you are careful with it, it'll kind of do it. So it's something you got to kind of know going in, in. Uh, going into the game because uh, you could, I actually sort of semi ruined a miniature. I fixed it pretty quickly, but once I realized what was going on, I was like, how's this paint's coming off of this thing? And I said, that's no good <laughs> because what I like to do actually is I like to go in uh, lately. My sort of technique that I've been using the last couple of months is uh, going in with contrast, letting that dry and then going in with um, over a Zenithal highlight, which is like a really kind of, uh, if you don't know what that is, it's kind of a gray scale, but like light to dark sort of thing. It sort of pre-shades the miniature. So I go in over the top of that with contrast, and then I go over the top of that with oil paints and use kind of an oil wash and then kind of rub that away. And I had no issues doing that with contrast. You know, once the contrast is dry, you can go right over the top with the oil. It's kind of like an oil wash, very thin down oil. And then go in after that with some highlights and stuff like that and kind of pick out uh, you know, the high points. Uh, absolutely would not be able to do that with the speed paints, but you could, and I did test this out and verify it just actually last night, is you can go over into over it with a, a varnish. So I can spray it with some some anti-shine or matte varnish, something like that, just spray it down real quick, and then that, that will lock it in. Once that was over the top of it, then that paint is sealed in. Um, so yeah, so there's I have some more details on that, but I've been mostly happy with them. And it's, it's nice that they're different than contrast, but they're kind of the same ballpark. So I, I'm kind of interested in getting to the point, maybe I can mix them, use contrast a little bit in some spots and speed paints on the others, because, you know, with any kind of paints, like some colors, like, I don't know, I'm just picking this out of a hat, but like the Vallejo yellow, for example, is like really awesome, let's say, and then Games Workshop yellow sucks, but the Games Workshop uh, snakebite leather, which is true, it is really awesome. And maybe the Army Painter hardened leather isn't as great, which is not true. It's actually pretty, pretty good. So, but sometimes you have paints that you like from different companies that are just for some reason, it's, they have a really good yellow or a good white, you know, or good silver. Uh, so that's been a fun little sort of endeavor there. And you'll see a video coming out with that. And, uh, you know, if you've taken out the channel recently, I've done some videos. I did my top 10 list last year, a couple of months ago. And we'll talk more about some of these other reviews here towards the end of the podcast. Uh, but one thing I've kind of been doing kind of in between times, you know, while I'm working on stuff that's going to get some time on the channel. Uh, well, one of these things actually did get time on the channel is I've been playing a lot of solo games and I've also been playing a lot of sort of campaign games with some friends of mine. Uh, my game group isn't getting together quite as regular, you know, as we did before the pandemic, uh, but it's been getting together a lot more regularly than it was, you know, in 2020, for example, or early 2021. And one thing that we did is we played through the Warhammer Quest Blackstone Fortress campaign. Uh, for me, again, that was, I basically played through that campaign two and a half times. And we, we finished it uh, for, for me a second time. And it was a lot of fun. And uh, my two friends really enjoyed it as well. They hadn't played 
well, they dabbled a little bit with some of the early ones, but they hadn't really played the new Warhammer Quest that much. And so we had a great time doing that. We're currently playing through Alter Quest, uh, through the can- the campaign uh, in that. We're doing it without the story, just kind of the sort of procedurally generated campaign where you shuffle decks together and shuffle in, you know, like villain cards after every uh, adventure and stuff like that. I think at the time that you hear this, we probably have two, one or two more games left. And that's been a lot of fun, too, uh, to play that. That game gets really brain-burning. With, we're playing it with three players. And uh, it's good. It's, it's really fun. It just kind of reinforced for me how mechanically solid solid that game is. And we played a couple of games here that I'll talk about in the review section. Uh, and then the other thing I did is I got really into the 1995 Warhammer Quest. And I have played a few dozen games of that. I've honestly lost track. Probably like 30 games at this point. And I did a review video for it. Uh, I'll throw a link below, but it's on the channel there. And basically sort of custom built in a way uh, my own sort of copy of Warhammer Quest. It's got all the original models and stuff. Uh, but I basically kind of ch- I got a copy of it and chopped it up and sold it for parts kind of thing. And then made some parts. And kept a few things. Kept like the original rule books and stuff. Uh, and uh, some of the original tokens, like the little tokens. But rebuilt the boards. Uh, sold off the cards. Uh, my copy came with some extra like treasure packs, which are really rare. Um, so I just eBayed all that stuff off and then sort of printed out uh, with a website uh, my own cards that are sort of uh, people have put together collections of all the expansions and everything that's been released. And so to kind of keep everything consistent, all the card art on the backs is all the same. And I printed out cards for all the monsters, all the stuff. You can go look at the video. But I had a lot of fun playing with that, really a lot of fun. That's Unfortunately, like you can't find it. You got to spend a couple hundred bucks if you want to just go get the original. And the game by itself, like if you just say the original box set is like, it's not really. Yeah, I mean you get like half a dozen plays out of it. Maybe I don't know. You kind of want some of these extra things. So pretty cool. But I've been doing that with a lot of other solo games. I played through like an Agricola solo campaign. Been playing some Caverna solo, Underwater Cities, uh, lots of Lost Runes of Arnak, which I reviewed last year. So I kind of had a question. Um, I think I'm going to redo my top 10 solo games video and I actually put this out. I think it was in February of March of 2020, but I'd been working on that video kind of, you know, taking notes and, you know, stuff like that for maybe a month or two before it released. And so I dropped that video and then basically the pandemic hit and everybody was playing solo. And so that was a kind of snapshot in time of my mind of like, these are games I would play solo, but I'm mostly not a solo player. At that time, that was kind of my mindset going into that video. But now that I've had a chance to play a lot more solo games and actually revisit some games that, you know, maybe a couple of years ago I would have put on that list, but they've fallen off because I'd rather just play the multiplayer. I've kind of gone back to some solo that I used to play and some other new games. Uh, So I think I'm going to do or kind of redo that top 10 solo game uh, uh, video and kind of just be... Some of them will stay on there for sure because I've already been kind of thinking about it. I've got kind of a working list here. Um, so if that's something that folks would like to see me revisit, you know, just give me a little shout out there. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so that's that's kind of what I've been doing sort of behind the scenes, you know, stuff that doesn't necessarily make it onto the channel in terms of a review or a blog or something like that. Um, so before we jump over to kind of a scattershot review of these eight games. So just a reminder, check out the link on GameFound. You know, if you see something you like or whatever on there, if you have some feedback on the campaign, it's kind of 
in a draft form. It's pretty, it's done, but it's, you know, it's definitely, I'm definitely open to feedback. Uh, definitely leave a note there or shoot me an email or something like that, or leave a comment here on the video or something like that. Uh, so we'll take a quick little break and then we'll come back and review some games. Okay, and we're back. And before we jump into the first review, I just want to apologize ahead of time because it seems like whenever I do these where I kind of collect some reviews, there's always one or two games where I'm like, I think I'm wrong because everybody else seems to like it, you know, whatever game it is. And, you know, I've seen it be one of the few or maybe one of the only ones that doesn't like it. It seems in this case, I am more... Uh, guilty of that than normal and i'm not sure why that is um but yeah I, most of the games i feel like wow i just don't understand why so many people really enjoy this game and, I, and I, well some of the reasons I, I can understand why i mean i get it but it's just not for me so i just want to preface that uh with a little bit of a front, front apology so let's go ahead and, and jump into the first game on the list and that is beyond the sun now, I had a chance to play this, and I will—I should say I played this only online. Uh, so I haven't actually played it in person, although I don't think it would uh, trouble me any differently, you know, if I played it in person versus online. But yet, it is a caveat. Now, I will say I think Beyond the Sun is actually a good game, maybe a really good game. Uh, the whole tech tree thing about that game has been uh, talked about quite a bit. I should give a little preface here. So it's kind of a space exploration conquering game but with a heavy emphasis on the technology tree aspect of the game, which in some ways is, you could say it's kind of the whole game. It's, that wouldn't be fair to it, but there's a huge emphasis on it, and you kind of reshuffle up those tiles, and the way that you kind of move up the text uh, you know, will vary from game to game. But then off to the side, there's a little board with some kind of interconnected planetary systems that you can have area control on and, and move your little ships and troops around, and you try to score points that way. And I will say, um, I don't know, it, I forget how many people we played it with. I think it was four. This was a little while ago. I'm just referring to my notes here. But to me, that other part of the game, the area control part, was just very lacking. And sort of, and I, it's trying to come off like not like a jerk here, but like I won the game. And to me, it was very obvious, like what I had to do just, and it could have just been where, how the turn order was landing and just kind of the situation. And I think it was everybody's first game too. Um, and so, but it just really, that really bugged me, that side of the game where you would push your troops. Cause I would just be like, well, the best place to go is right here. Because if I look at what everybody else is doing, the best place for me is to go grab this one for the most possible easy points. And that's going to get me um, the victory. Now, I don't think I won by a whole ton of points. I just maybe happened to luck out that I had the best opportunities in that game. Uh, now, the tech tree stuff was really neat. The way that you kind of move up for that and you have the prerequisites and, and all that kind of stuff and how you can get the bonuses as you get further and further to the right, you know, like in the level four techs or whatever they're called. Um, but to me, it was like, okay, it's kind of cute that the way that they did it in a way, but... You know, it'd be nice if there was a little bit more integration with that tech tree with some other system of the game. 
because the way those things layer and interlock is what gets me excited about the game. Not just, you know, like a clever little tech upgrade implementation with this really basic area control thing on the left. Um, so I think part of my problem was, is I was really sort of hyped up about the game, although the board design and everything and the graphic design is kind of ugly. Uh, so that kind of had already put me off a little bit, but everybody was just raving about this. And I think this was like a late 2020 game, if I remember right. And so I went into it really expecting probably a lot more than I should have, um, you know, but that's kind of my own fault. But to me, it's like, it's a pretty good game, but also one that I was just like, yeah, I mean, after I played it, I was like, this is a good game, but it's just not game of the year material. I, it just was very bland and dry. And then that little area control stuff on the left, which is like, yeah, okay. I mean, I've seen that a thousand times in a game. So not for nothing. I mean, I'm not trying to sell a game short, but it's pretty good, but it's just not like, you know, blew, blew my doors off or anything. So, you know, if you had to pin me down, I'd probably rate it as seven. Uh, cause I think it's solid and it's well polished and developed and didn't feel out of kilter or anything. It just kind of did stuff that I'd seen probably 10 times at least before. So anyway, that's beyond the sun. And the next game, another science fiction game is Dune, a game of conquest and diplomacy. And this is from Gale Force nine. And it's obviously based on, you know, Dune, the books and the movie. And what this is, is a sort of simplified version of the old, I think, 1979 Dune, which is now published by Gale Force 9. They've got the rights to that. And it's it peels it back. It shortens the round. I think you play five rounds. And there's no really any... Well, this is one of the things that bugs me. A game of Conquest, sure. There's a lot of Conquest in it because it's an area control territory thing. It looks like the exact same map in the old one, almost. And Diplomacy, which there is absolutely no Diplomacy in the game other than possibly what there could be table talk. I'm like, don't kill me, <laughs> you know, kill Billy. Don't kill me. That's probably the extent of the diplomacy in the game. Uh, Cause you peel back, you know, there's not, you can't play every faction. A lot of the really fun and quirky rules are removed. And they, they did that with good reason. Cause they're trying to keep it like a simple 45 minutes, maybe an hour, three to four player game. Although you can play a two player with a, uh, a really crappy variant, frankly. Um, but it's just a really simplistic area control game. And it's not, it's balanced, it's it's polished for what it is, but it's also very, 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 very mediocre. And it feels like a game that would have come out probably 20 years ago. What are we in, 2022? Yeah, this would be a 25-year-old game. And back then it might have, I mean, I don't even think back then I would have thought that was that interesting. <laughs> but it's just basic. It's just really basic. And you play some cards, you know, you have some abilities from some cards, you get some cards every round for your little combats. And you've got the, uh, you know, straightforward area control, and you've got to control a certain number of the little sieges and the, you know, the fortresses or whatever they're called. And that's it. It's just a really basic game. Now, I could see if somebody wanted to had a family game or something, and you know, people that were out or or people that weren't, didn't play games very often and they saw this game, it might be a decent little game to uh, to get out and you could play it and it, it, will, it will work. It's like I said, it's polished, it's developed, but it's just there's nothing actually interesting about it. There's just nothing interesting. And when you can play the original Dune, which they publish, or Dune Imperium, those are really two very, very interesting games that also have the same IP. And there's some other Dune games that have come out recently. I don't remember what they are. I think there's like a 
I think Gale Force Nine has like a resistance style Dune game, like a traitor, you know, werewolf style game. And then there's another story game. And I played neither of these from Portal Games, which is like based on their detective series. So I think there's other games out there that will better service the Dune, uh, you know, the Dune universe uh, than this game. And I, I definitely would not recommend this game. I just, it kind of makes sense to me why they did it, but it's also, well, it's not interesting. So don't play it. So that's Dune, a game of conquest and diplomacy. And the next game we're going to talk about is Seven Wonders Architects. Uh, this is another game I cannot not recommend enough. <laughs> um, this is another one that baffles me because it's been sort of bandied about as some, not like game of the year, but getting some awards and stuff for like, you know, I don't know, whatever, gateway game or something. But holy cow, I really do not like this game. It's very simple and cute for about five minutes where you flip a card and then you just you really kind of locked into whatever your choice is there. And then you can either take, you know, cards from the display or the top of the deck. And and then you kind of just build up these cool looking, frankly, wonders where you have the kind of these player boards. You kind of build a stack of these tiles and you need different resources and stuff to trade in and collect little sets of things. But you're just like basically flipping a card every turn and then you know, figure out, okay, what's the best thing to do and take the three seconds to do that and then do it. Um, I could see this being great with kids um, and, and a family situation. I, I could give it that, but to me, there are hundreds of better games uh, that are great with kids, you know, great with the family situation. Uh, I, I don't know. I just don't, this is one I frankly do not understand that's the lot of the praise that I've seen. I don't think anybody's, you know, wrong. I'm not trying to say people are wrong about it. This is, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand anything about this other than the production value, which is really good. It's produced very well. And it, like I said, it works. It's, it's simple. It's straightforward. It's going to run like clockwork. You can play it in a half an hour well, quicker than that. Uh, we played it with three of us and I think you could probably blow through a game in like 10 minutes. But, um, I really don't recommend this game. I can't not recommend it enough. <laughs> because <laughs> I really think it's just this thing should outstay its welcome pretty quick. I think even as a family game, because it's even if you played it with kids, like, you know, the kids, depending on the age, they're going to play it four or five times and be like, I get it. I don't I don't need to play this anymore, dad or mom. And, uh, you know, I just it's just so dead simple. Anyway, I don't really have much to say about that. Seven Wonders Architects. Yeah. The next one is terraforming mars Ares expedition now this game i do actually enjoy i played this three player i played it solo i did not really like it solo honestly and i wish i had played uh terraforming mars the original one solo so i could kind of compare it to that but the solo for this was just very like there it, you know it just kind of you, you you sort of play against an ai with that also drafts the roll cards it's definitely not as like interactive because you're you don't have that sort of tension of choice of roles that you do when you have other players at the table. Um, I try to think of like if you look at the race for the galaxy solo rules, which are to be fair convoluted and complicated, but they do kind of work out pretty well. Um, this is just a little bit too simplistic and basic, and you really miss out on a lot of the stuff. Now with more players, it's really it's fun. I don't really know. It's interesting to me because it's it's not quite as big and grandiose and sweeping as the original Terraforming Mars game. 
and it's not quite as quick and snappy as Race for the Galaxy. It kind of sits in this strange sort of middle ground. And I think that's interesting in some ways because uh, I think I actually might like it more than Terraforming Mars or about the same. But it has kind of a problem that sort of sticks me in the wrong way is it just kind of like explodes in terms of table space with the cards and the combos and all that stuff. But not in a way that is really that satisfying. Uh, and this kind of Terraforming Mars has this problem. No, you know what? I think I like the original Terraforming Mars. Now I'm kind of speaking out loud about this finally. Because the way that you sort of put together your engine and, and fit those puzzle pieces together is more interesting in Terraforming Mars than it is in Ares Expedition. Whereas in Ares Expedition, it's kind of like you just sort of land on a pile of all these different colored cards and combos. And then you kind of sit on that. And then the that little bit of an engine that you get out of that it just kind of happens to be there. Because basically draw a fistful of cards, you know, dump them out there, get what you can out there, and then generate the points and everything. Um, whereas a game like Race for the Galaxy, which is really fine-tuned, at least with, you know, the base game and maybe the first two expansions or so, um, that feels a little bit more on a knife's edge in terms of the role selection part where you're trying to guess around the other players and some of the tension there and stuff like that and really trying to get that engine going. It, it feels like that you you get more satisfaction, at least I get more satisfaction putting together some engine in Race for the Galaxy than I do in the Ares Expedition Terraforming Mars because I just you get so many cards, just so much stuff. And it's just like, okay, well, I've got these cards. These all work together. Okay, let's start doing that. And then you have to, like, switch gears because you have to mess with the oxygen and the temperature and all that kind of fun stuff. So it just feels like there's kind of a lot just going on that it's, it's like, it's too big of a deck, you know? I had the same problem with that uh, in, in kind of a different way with that Red Rising game from uh, Stonemaier Games. I was like, this, but this deck is just too big. Like, can we cut these cards down to like 50% or 40% of the cards that are in there? And then you can really try to dig and scrape and put together some kind of combo. I, I don't know. But I don't, again, this is one of those like Beyond the Sun. I don't think it's a terrible game or a bad game. It feels very designed. And like I said, it fits in that weird kind of niche between Race for the Galaxy and the original Terraform of Mars. And so it'd be kind of nice. Like this is, this would be one that I would not be opposed to playing. Uh, some more you know I wouldn't really look forward to it but if folks wanted to really play, sit down and play it I'd be okay with it I mean there'd be a lot of other games I'd rather play but uh, I think it's decent game you know it's a decent game this is one I'd probably give like a 6-7 something like that um, so that's Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition you can tell I'm kind of middling on that because I, I kind of like it but I, I also kind of don't <laughs> uh, the next one is a kind of a little known game and it's called Pinpoint. And Pinpoint's actually, depending on how you look at it, like three or six games in one. And I liked one of the games in it because one of the games in it, and I forget, I think it's called, the games are called like one to a hundred or one out of a hundred and one out of 10 and some other different variants of each of those. And the one game in it is basically like Wavelength, which was a game where you sort of were like guessing the clue based on like a hot and cold thing. And this has that. So if I say, um, let's say the, the adjective is greasy. And so you think of greasy from zero to hundred percent. And I might say an oil slick and that'd be like, you know, up to the upper echelon or 
uh, greasy. It'd be, you know, 100% greasy or whatever. I don't know why that word came into my mind. Or I would say, you know, sand. That would be like 0% greasy. There's not really any sand in there. But so you do that and you kind of try to guess around that kind of stuff. And so Wavelength had a thing with this really funky contraption, which was like a wheel. And then you, the clue giver on their team or whatever had to give the right clue to kind of guess, get the other players to guess the percentage. So if the term was greasy and I said like, I don't know, like I said, let's say I said uh, Elmer's glue, right? This is a little greasy, but it kind of sticky too. And maybe people will write down different numbers. Like some people might think, well, that's 80% or that's 50% or that's 2%. And then, then you reveal what the number was that you're trying to get people to guess. This has a, another mechanism just like that, but with the cards, but it works a lot better than Wavelength. Uh, unfortunately, that was like the only game in there that was actually interesting to us. Uh, but it, that one was really fun. Um, so I would kind of recommend Pinpoint, but honestly for me, if you liked Wavelength or you kind of wanted to like Wavelength, but you've had some issues with the whole mechanisms of Wavelength, I would definitely recommend Pinpoint uh, for that reason. But the other games in there, they kind of fell flat with us. And they had similar things in that same vein, little kind of word ideas and cards and guessing, uh, stuff like that, kind of in the vein of just one, but not really sort of, the, it's not so much a word game as it's more of kind of a, a guessing kind of vibe game. You know what I mean? So you're trying to get the vibe of what somebody's trying to say. Uh, but the other ones weren't that interesting. But the the one, I think it's one of, one of 10 or one of 100. I think it's one of 100 or one in a hundred or something like that, that that game inside of pinpoint, it was fun, but the others were not. So that's pinpoint. Uh, the next one is corrosion. And this is coming out. I think it came out from capstone games. Uh, this one, uh, I don't really, th I don't know. I've seen some folks praise this game and some folks in my game group have enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it. Uh, it's, its main problem for me was, and this is almost a pet peeve or like a personal thing that I have, is when a game is very, very mechanically heavy. Like it's the theme is is not really the main part of the game. If it's if it's mostly a mechanical game, and then the theme is also wheels and cogs and mechanics and and gadgets and gears and stuff. I don't know what that, I just bugs me. <laughs> I just, if I'm going to play a game and it's like, Hey, you know, let's, let's say the game was called engine builder. I think there is a game like this or something and it's called engine builder. And guess what you do? You build an engine and then the engine things work together and the thing spins around and it's like, Oh no, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I just don't, I, I don't like that. It's just like, Oh, why are you wearing yourself? your you know, you're just wearing the mechanics on your sleeve so hard. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's kind of cute, but then, you know, you've seen it a few times and it's like, ugh, oh, come on. And that's kind of what this game is. And the other thing that bugs me about this game, so I just want to get that out of the way because that's pet peeve. The other thing that bugs me is it's like special ability uh, bonanza. And, you know, sometimes I like that where there's lots of special abilities and combos and things like that. But to me... This is just like, and speaking of machines, it's just like a machine that just spits out rule breaking. And again, I think it just wears it a little bit too much on its sleeve where it's just like, this ability changes this and this ability changes that and that and that. And it's just like, when you look at the board and you look at all the like different rows of cards that you put out and it's like, oh Lord, 
you know, this is, I have to like move this little wheel, which is a lot like barrage in some ways where you put these engineers on a wheel and they kind of spin around and you, they kind of spit out uh, every couple of turns. So you take actions to spin that wheel and you take actions to buy like these different, uh, I figure what they're called actually. They're like contracts or orders or something. Uh, I think they're called machines or something. So you get these and then they either generate points for you right away or actually act to your engine builder and stuff like that. And so, but they're all just like, all of them have like special abilities on it, like just everywhere. So when you sit down, it's just like, oh my God, there's 12 different special abilities I have to look at. <laughs> and then I have to like figure out how they work together, which is cool. Like I normally like that kind of thing. Like we just talking about Race for the Galaxy. That's neat. But then if you're just going to wear it on your sleeve like that, it's like, this is doohickey XYZ and it does this. And this is widget, uh, you know, troll eater. And like, what this is, what does this have to do with anything? And, and so it doesn't really fit, but if you have a card that's like hyperspace drive, you know, and it does a thing that makes you feel like a hyperspace drive or something, you know, so that kind of stuff just sort of, it's just all those things kind of get under my skin a little bit. Um, the game works and stuff. I don't know. I just, this is not one I would necessarily consider a good game. Although people in my game group are thinking I'm crazy, but I don't, I don't really think so. <laughs> uh, so that's corrosion. If you like that kind of game though. And the folks that I that I talk to in my group that like it, they are Race for the Galaxies fans. And uh, so I'm like, if you like that kind of combo engine builder type of stuff, uh, take a look at it. It's Corrosion, and it's from Capstone Games. Uh, wasn't for me, but there you go. So we got two more to go here. Uh, next one is Destinies. Uh, this is from Lucky Duck Games. And I really enjoyed their Chronicles of Crime series. I think I played three or four versions of that at this point. And I like just about all of those. And it, what those style games are is you doing kind of like a detective thing or like a Sherlock Holmes style game. You use your phone and you scan different like QR codes and it kind of drives you through the mystery and the puzzle solving. And you'll have little things where you like look at a crime scene and stuff like that. So this game, Destinies, has that kind of QR code driven stuff. And you've got a board um, and things like that. And, you know, you've got little tiles that come out kind of like tainted grail or seventh continent, those style of games. And it basically, what it is, is four quests that you go on that are not really related, but they're kind of generally related to sort of a scope of like a couple hundred years or something like that in France, uh, kind of during the time of Joan of Arc, but it's basically four separate quests and each quest you play different characters and then you play through a little story. And each character has basically two quests that they can go on. And I'm being a little bit glib here, but you have like a good quest and an evil quest, although it isn't quite that black and white. And you kind of tr travel around and you fight monsters and stuff like that. So the stuff that I like about the game is I really like the sort of combat or like encounter type of system. Because you have these like little player boards with these stats that you can increase and you on each track, so you have like an agility, a strength, and like a mind track. So you don't have like a score of five. You have like a couple of like little pegs in there. And so I, I maybe have two or three pegs. And as I, I can try to move those pegs to the left. So if I roll and I roll higher than where those pegs are at, I get a number of successes equal to the pegs that are to the left. So if I get like a 10 and I've got a peg on a three, a peg on an eight, and a peg on a 12, the three and the eight are under the 10, so I get those. And you can get other bonuses and stuff. But the 12 is too high, so I don't get that. And so the way that the game mechanics kind of interact with kind of moving those pegs, you can train them up, you get experience. Uh, if you have a bad encounter, they might even move to the right. 
that's really neat. That is such a cool little mechanic, and that really kept me kind of entertained for probably my first two plays of it, maybe maybe a play and a half. <laughs> um, but the third and fourth games of it, I was kind of over it. And some of the reasons I was over it is because the quests are very samey. So usually what happens is you need to either go and collect three artifacts, so you should maybe fight three monsters and get those artifacts or whatever, or you need to uh, sort of like recruit three NPCs to your cause. And then once that happens, you have to make your way to one of the areas that you revealed on these cards, and then you trigger sort of your final encounter, you have a final uh, thing to do with your boss, and over the course of the game, you've collected some items and some artifacts and some other abilities and stuff like that, and then you have a boss fight, and then whoever sort of be, you know does the killing blow to the boss is the winner. And then it gives you kind of like an after epilogue kind of story bit for each character, even the characters that didn't win the game. So that's that's kind of neat too. But it gets really samey. And the first quest isn't really that different than the last quest. It kind of ups the stakes, kind of like sort of time passes between each quest. And so the next one is like 100 years later, and then the festering evil is still kind of around or whatever. I don't want to spoil anything of the story. But... Like, yeah, like I said, it's very samey. There's no linking of characters across a campaign, which isn't a requirement. But if you're going to have a campaign like that, you'd expect some kind of sort of thread tying them together. And just instead of general, like, you know, medieval France with mystical, biblical creatures, you know, the end. But again, mechanics wise, I thought it was really cool. And I think the system's really cool. I'd like to see, you know, somebody kind of go back and revisit it. Maybe put a little bit more emphasis on some of those story, I don't know, campaign style elements and really kind of mix it up. Because you'd think with the ability of the technology, <clears throat> it felt like that was sort of underutilized, you know. Um, the way they interacted with the skill checks and the encounters and the combat, that was cool. But you can kind of, you don't need the phone for that, you know. You can do some other stuff and some other sort of... I don't know how to put this right, but some more like artificial intelligence and some of the interactions or something like that or, or, or something. You could really get very, not granular is not the right word, but you could get very detailed and very nuanced with some of the interactions with the NPCs and some of the things that happen. You know, the app can remember certain things game over game. So you, they really should utilize that and really explore some of that specificity in that grounded detail that can happen to your character and maybe carry over and really kind of invest you a little bit more emotionally in the game. Instead of just, you know, well, you got to go talk to these people and convince them and go find a gift for this person to convince them to join you or go to this place where you have combat and, you know, and okay, this person gives you a clue. And the formula there is just kind of a little bit too, too apparent, you know, in terms of like how they're approaching each of them. And especially because they repeated it four times, basically. Anyway, so that is Destinies. Uh, take a look at it. You know, you might like it, but uh, I wouldn't pay too much for it because you're really getting four games out of it, and then that's it. Uh, the last game we're going to talk about here is a game I was really, really excited about and, frankly, really, really disappointed in, and that's uh, Final Girl. And, man, I can just hear people yelling at me right now. I haven't even edited this thing yet. <laughs> but, um, oh, man, I was so excited for it. It's such a cool, like, packaging and product and theme and all this idea if you've not seen final girl it's been a huge hit on kickstarter at least a couple of times and uh, basically you take on the role of uh, the final girl of, of uh, you know the the last 
woman standing at the end of a horror movie or, you know, kind of in the middle of a horror movie sometimes. And there's just, you can mix and match the different girls, the different women with the different monsters and the different settings and all that kind of fun stuff. So, and it's a little solo game, solo only. And the boxes themselves are like little old VHS cassette boxes, sort of. But you unfold them and you pop the lids off and those the lids become matches or uh, maps and you know different boards for the different uh, bad guys, the evil evil folks that you're facing, and then you you know they have different cards and the different things. So there's a lot of mix and match stuff, and I think that might be the problem because the swinginess of the game is severe. Um, I played it through it, shoot, I think four times, maybe three times, because I think I kind of aborted a fourth play because I was kind of done. And I had one game that was like pretty easy, pretty easy. And then another game that I lost. So I should say it was pretty easy that I lost at the end, which was fine because it was like kind of down to the wire. But it like kind of ran along and then I was at the end and then I lost. I was like, oh, okay, that seems about right. And then I had a couple of games where the game just literally caved my face in on the first or second turn. And I had absolutely no recourse to do anything about it. And I think the problem for me is, is those decks that you make, I can't remember what they're called. There's like the villain deck. And, you know, after you take your turn to move people around, then you flip a card for the villain. The villain will do his thing and, you know, maybe move and kill something. And then you flip a card. And then there's some other different types of things and other decks like item decks and stuff that you'll shuffle up. But they're so randomized that it can, it just you basically like have your game dictated to you by the deck. And there's a lot of games that kind of do that. Like even pandemic does that, you know, where it's like you shuffled it up and basically how often you have your, uh, whatever it's called the epidemic card or whatever. And that deck is <laughs> basically how difficult the game's going to be for you. If you get a bunch back to back to back or something, you know, theoretically, then you're going to have issues. But, um, this is, I think even worse because, I just had a couple of games there. It was just like, man, I can't even do anything. And it takes me longer to set this game up than it does to play it. Um, and I'm doing all the things. I'm like, I'm not just going to run and trying to kill the bad guy. I'm trying to do some kind of sort of engine building, saving some of the uh, the victims, potential victims, and that kind of stuff. But it's just so dang swingy. And again, I think it comes back to the same kind of thing with uh, almost with Ares Expedition. If you could just like pare down the cards and really refine those decks to the point where you could balance them or at least within the decks you could put the cave your face in card somewhere in the bottom half of the deck so you can have a and b cards so take you know six cards out of the a deck and six cards out of the b deck and shuffle them up and you know it's going to get worse um as the game goes along as the movie progresses um so you could do that maybe that was just too tricky to balance or something but i mean that's not a sign of a good game but um yeah so just the the swinginess of it was just it just completely ruined the game now i liked the um sort of the core system the core sort of deck building type of thing where you you play some cards and then anything that you played you can't use for another turn and then you maybe have some leftover i think it was called energy or fatigue basically or you know not fatigue and you use that to buy up other cards that you didn't play this turn and so you have this kind of continuous cycle back and forth of cards you played and cards you kept that was that's a cool system, and they did that in that other game, uh, Hostage Negotiator, which came out a few years ago. But again, that one to me was super 
Sweeney too. Uh, this I would ra rather play this than Hostage Negotiator because at least if you get like a good shuffle of the cards, you're going to have an interesting game. But I mean, I can't like recommend the game because I just don't want to have people have the possibility to just have these terrible experiences where they're just getting their face kicked in for no reason, you know, without any real, it seems to me, any real sort of planning or, or balance put into the, some of these decks and stuff like that. And I didn't even like mix stuff up. I didn't like throw, you know, the clown villain with the uh, haunted house or anything or whatever it was. But, you know, I used all of the villains that went with the environments and stuff like that. And I'm like, God, just within the confines of a given villain. And then it's like, you got to spend time. I was playing Warhammer quest a lot recently and that, frankly, that's the kind of game where you got to kind of balance it out too. In that game, I had added, you know, cards from tons of different um, encounter tables and all that kind of stuff. And like, if you throw the kitchen sink in there, you're going to have an issue. So if you theme it up though, and you go, oh, okay, well, if I throw in these three really hard monsters and shuffle in a bunch of minions, then I know I'm not just going to get my face kicked in again and again and again and again, and it's going to be sort of an epic thing, and it's going to come down to the wire, hopefully. And that kind of thing should have been done here, I think, you know, and this is a modern game, Warhammer Quest from 1995, you know, I mean, uh, this is 2022 or 21, whenever this came out. So again, this is, this is one I think it could be good for me, just not polished and developed enough. All right. So that's final girl. And so I don't have really much more to say again, please check out the game found page. If you can, I appreciate any support. I hope I have some more uh targeted announcements over the next week or so when this before this thing launches and uh, definitely look forward to some review videos coming up i'll talk about dune imperium rise of ix i haven't had a chance to play that yet i've been waiting to play it uh some speed paint reviews uh what else is coming oh i should have a review of the dark tower spoiler alert, i love it but i haven't played an actual copy of it yet <laughs> Um, I played, played, uh, in the beta test, um, a whole bunch last year and absolutely loved it. I didn't even have the tower in front of me. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And then that, and then the, uh, middle earth strategy battle game, going to review that and probably a couple other things that I can't think of off the top of my head. But anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for jumping in and take care of yourselves and I'll see you in the next video. It's been